The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Good evening. Welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast preview show for round 16 versus Hawthorne. It's a Thursday night match at Adelaide Oval. Um, I'm Portia and joining me as happens yes, every second week or so, uh, Fishing Rick 04. How are you, Rick? I'm great, Portia. What about you? Yeah, not too bad. Looking forward to hopefully getting another win over a team that, uh, against all odds, has become a team that we do pretty well against. The Wheeze and Poos. Looking yeah. forward to it. The weeaboos, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, can't stand those mongrels. And you know what makes it worse? Because I can't stand them, it's because of the fact that it's been so bloody successful in recent times, because that's usually why we hate teams so much, isn't it? Yeah, look, I mean, I have to agree. Um, the one thing that's really sort of pointed that out to me this year has been doing these previews and listening to, or actually doing the first time they met uh, talks. Because you just keep going through like the opposition sides from back in 1997 going, oh, yeah, he was a good player. But if you'd asked me that at the time, I would have given absolutely no credit at all and said, no, they're rubbish, blah, blah, media beats them every time or some crap like that. But, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. It's amazing how you become to respect those good players when they retire a lot of the time, um, particularly if they're not annoying in the media. Yeah, I just hate Hawthorne. I'm sick of Hawthorne. I feel like they've been up for the last 10 years. Oh, they have been up for the last 10 years. Yeah, they have, actually. And I just want, <laughs> and I just want them crashing down to a big pile of stinking poo where they belong. Look, I'm not in any real rush for that, because what's going to replace them that, you know... Unless it's us replacing them, I really don't care. Like, yeah. It's not an yeah. issue. Personally. I do. Why? Oh, hold on. I better, I better answer the phone, I guess. All right. Well, look, I'll just do a bit of a, a bit of a chat here. Um, some of the news no, we've had. Oh, okay, I'm going to say we've got a hot topic this week, and it's just come up today, and that's uh, Alistair Clarkson deciding that uh, he wanted to have a bit of a crack at Port Adelaide, uh, and uh, how Hawthorne have been performing at a consistent level, and that Port Adelaide have not. Which um, it sounds like you know the sort of words that you wouldn't normally hear from an opposition coach, but I think it's pretty hard to deny, quite frankly. Um, and yeah, he said a few other things that. I don't know, Just I think someone said on the forums it's just straight out of the Choco playbook to go out and motivate the opposition for no reason. Um, and you've got to wonder why he did that, but maybe it's, it was more it's about... Reverse, it's, it's reverse psychology, I reckon, Porsche. I, I mean, he knows that he knows that the uh, the team hasn't been firing in the beginning of games against Port Adelaide, and, and so he's sort of saying to, to his side, I've just fired these guys up even more... They're going to come out and want to smash our heads in now and try and prove me wrong. So you guys need to be up and about and get going. I mean, that's how I read into it because I don't think any coach these days is silly enough to uh, try and fuel ammunition against uh, a side. You know, they're all so conservative with their words. Um, but I thought Hinkley um, played it pretty well. And was I think he came out and said, I've got nothing to say. He's right. Yeah. So, um, and I mean, that ended- <laughs> At the end of the day, he's right. The, the, our side is inconsistent, you know, and they come up against all odds and will have a cracking win, and then they uh, and then they fall down and lose to a, a pretty average side themselves. So, uh, you know, I can't really argue. And it was interesting looking at Big Footy. It seemed it seemed that most people uh, seemed to be of the same opinion. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's pretty tame. But oh, look, I'm just going to skip ahead from the rundown, Rick. I know you don't like how long the rundowns are, but uh, we had a really good question <laughs> on the um, the thread for the podcast uh, from CT Power, which was, what are your thoughts on comments made by KT that we are good enough to be a top four side? And the reason I bring it up now is because it's another one of those things that I think are probably true, but I think there's probably qualifiers to it as well. What do you think, Rick? Well, um, firstly, I'm concerned that we actually got a serious question, Portia. I mean, I was really <laughs> expecting more, more questions about donuts and music and uh, whatever else Macca was going on about. But, um, look, part of, it concerns me, but part of me actually agrees with KT. Mm. Um, I, th- I think the injuries that we sustained uh, this year have been very destabilising to the side. And I know it's easy for people to try and compare to the, the top-notch sides and say they do it. Um, I guess, for me, our, my concern is, I guess, we haven't had that systemization in our game plan yet where we can plug and play regardless of injuries. So I guess that's a question I would put onto the coaches. But, um, yeah, it's it's just hard. I guess last year was probably more confusing for me as a football supporter and follower than this year because at least this year I can go, look, massive losses, I mean... Paddy Wright has been a huge loss for us. Um, um, Not as much uh, Matt Lobie due to his form, which was consistent with last year. Uh, But I I really find that Jackson, and if you heard the interview on Monday, he sounds really, really energised as a Ruckman, and I'm really impressed with his performances, and I'd like to hear your thoughts later on. But, um, yeah, I I think KT could be right, and I guess people need to be prepared. If you want a full factory reset with our whole football department and team... um, do you, are you prepared to go back another three to five years um, before we make finals to throw everything out? Or do we try and tweak a couple of players, trade off maybe a couple of the maturers that aren't performing consistently and bring in a bit of fresh blood and hope that that change will spark enough desire with the rest of the players to, um, to perform to the level that they should be able to? Yeah, look, I mean, I've got to say I probably favour a middle path. Um, and I'll just on Katie's comment... Um, I agree that we have the capability to be a top four side, but I think that we have the capability, and this is probably where it comes down to, I suppose, what the club thinks is acceptable performance. But I think we have that capability if we have all of our players play well really every week. Um, Teams don't do that. There's not a team in the league that does that every week. Um, So it's a bit of a, you know, we'll play really hard against Hawthorne this week but they could still win by trying maybe 80% of what we're doing, you know? Um, so there's always going to yeah. be... Because I think that, yes, our endeavour, we should be able to get in the top four based on the list we've got, but um, we want to win premierships and we know that we have list weaknesses in key areas that really good sides don't. Um, so I think that's probably the qualifier, but... Uh, yeah. yeah, look, I, I, I have to say broadly, though, I agree. We, we could be doing better than we are. There's no doubt. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Look, just one more thing here, which came up. Um, and I, I don't know why it's an issue. Um, Kane Corns has retired from the Metropolitan Fire Service to pursue his media goals. Um, there was a, a rather amusing comment on the uh, Big Footy just uh, a little while ago saying that uh, the, they're a bit annoyed because he'll miss the game against the police, which I don't know if that's a real thing or not, or just a, a comment on um, how Kane <coughs> left Port or what's going on there. But... Uh, Outrageous. Yeah. He's a liar, Porsche. He's a liar. <laughs> he retired early and quit on us in our hour of need and mm. faked wanting to be a fireman for a year 
um, when really all he wanted to do was get out and get in the media. I mean, who knows? He had a, Seriously, he's probably just had a change of heart and, yeah. and gone, I enjoy, I enjoy the media and good luck to him. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. I guess has he burned his um, MFS opportunity? I mean, can he get back into it? I don't, I don't know, but it's not my problem, so... Uh, I don't, I don't really care, to be honest. Yeah, look, I mean, the thing is, like, it's not even the worst Corns retirement. Like, you know, if we, if we recall, Chad Corns retired and so did Dean Brogan and they retired so that GWS could pick them up for free and then we pointed out how they can't do that. We have to get compensation picks because GWS are taking them uncontracted. You know, it was much nastier than anything Kane did because at least Kane actually stopped playing football. Um, so, I, yeah, yeah. I, think it's, I think it's a bit of a beat up. Um, we've had worse offenders than Kane and we welcome them back to the club. So uh, I think we just move on and go, yep, cool, all good. <laughs> yeah, it's not, really, it's not really a talking point from my side of no. things. It's post-career and his career was a fading star anyway when he retired. No offence to Kane. His, leg, his legs were shot and you know, he couldn't keep going on. So, yeah. I mean, I would, I would have been happy if he retired and, and didn't have a career after football, to be honest. Respect to him for just calling it a day because he knew his body was uh, over and done with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, well, look, we'll move along a little bit um, to the first time they met, and uh, this is back in 1997. Uh, I love these segments. These, <laughs> this segment is fun. awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, this one is at Waverley Park, and uh, Rick, did you ever get to go to Waverley Park for a game? I never had the pleasure, but it just it's watching it on terrible. TV. It, it just reminded me of a, a footy park in the middle yeah, of nowhere. It's, it was kind of like footy park, but somehow wetter and more inconvenient. Um, it was pretty amazing. <laughs> it was a pretty amazing experience. When I went there, which I think was a couple of years later, you had to catch a train to the end of the line and then catch a bus to get to Waverley, <laughs> which, you know, was kind of ridiculous. But anyway, we'll get on with the game. Um, in this game, we lost this one pretty convincingly. Um, Hawthorne kicked 18 goals, 16, 124, defeating Port Adelaide 13 goals, 14.92 for a 32-point loss. Uh, in the first quarter, we didn't look good. They kicked five goals, we kicked two. But the worst thing was that in the second quarter, the Hawks kicked seven goals to none. Uh, and more accurately, seven goals, five to zero goals, five. Um, and that really pretty much decided the game for us. We clawed the margin back in the second half, but it just wasn't enough to make up for that burst. Um, it was an interesting match for a few reasons, and I think that's the other thing I'm really appreciating about these first time they met is remembering all a whole bunch of players that we met right at the end of their career that you sort of think, oh, did we actually ever play a game against them? Ah, oh. and in yeah. this case, it's Johnny Platten. Um, Johnny Platten was the top position winner on the game. He got thirty something disposals, kicked three goals, uh, got two Brownlow votes. And if you'd asked me, you know, a couple of days ago, have we ever played against Johnny Platten in the AFL? I'd say, no, I don't think so. But yeah, we had yeah. these little tail-enders, um, and in the game we also had uh, Scott Cummings kicking four goals for. This was the best game by John Rombotus for Port Adelaide, kicking three goals and getting about 15 touches. Um, and here's the other milestone. This was Mark Conway's only AFL game, and if you know who Mark Conway is, uh, good luck to you. You won't be one of many people. I know that Macca will, but I'd like to know how many other people do. So I'm not going to say what club he used to play for, what position he used to play. But this was his only game, and he got five touches and a hit out. Well, I've um, got no idea who Mark Conway is. So ah. you've got you've got me you've got me beat already. And didn't John Rome Rombotus only play one game as well? <laughs> no, nah, he, he played a few games for us, but they were mostly pretty crap, really. <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like 
I guess, um, yeah, if you ask me if we played against Johnny Platten, I would have probably said no as well. So, yeah, right. um, and I, yeah, I don't, I, Tony Woods, I don't remember that, but I know my mate Woodsy's listened tonight, so thanks for tuning in, Woodsy. So there's a similarity there, but um, I noticed with your other stat that you put in with the notes, Aaron Lord kicked six goals with I Jesus. I know. I'm like, oh, my God, I mean, he is, I hated that guy. I know, he was so, such a... Lord and Harford. I hated Lord and Harford. Yes. Just like if they were both in the same team, you just thought, ugh, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why they were so hateable, but I just mm. didn't like them. I think I think they could have been inserted into the spuds that tear us apart through because, uh, yeah. Oh, anyway. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's that's my co- contribution to history. Yeah. Um, Lord, outstanding. <laughs> Well, look, I don't have a heap to say more on that game. I don't really remember much of it, uh, except that it was just another disappointing loss. But uh, Mac has chipped in. He said we kicked six or seven goals in our own last quarter to get within a kick before we ran out of steam. Uh, John Rombotis was the best game for Port. Yeah, he had his best game for Port. Exactly right. That was his only one. Um, I think yeah. if you, I think another little test for the people with ancient memories is which who was a better player overall, Brent Heaver or John Rombotis? No, or Chris Nash. <laughs> Rank them one to three. Uh, one on one one on one yeah they're all pretty good Uh, alright so we'll move along to the game that we probably both can remember because it was really a very fun game and uh, had the good fortune of actually going Uh, last time we met against Hawthorne was in round 21 on the 21st of August 2015 at the Docklands Stadium Uh, Port Adelaide 16 goals 12 108 defeated Hawthorne 13 goals 8 86 uh, the 22 point margin Um, when you see 22 point margin you probably think it's a one of those games that we're just like, oh, yeah, doing all right. But no, um, Port kicked four goals to two in the first. Both teams kicked three goals in the second. But then the margin came back to one point at three-quarter time, which given Hawthorne's form and given Port's form during the year, it was certainly, I reckon if you're a Port fan, you were just like, oh, no. And I do recall the game day thread was pretty panicky during that entire game. But in the end, we won. Uh, Schultz, Wingard and Ed got the lead in that last quarter. Uh, the Hawks pushed back with two goals, but then we got another two after that, and that gave us our final margin. Um, I think that this, this game—do you remember much about this game, Rick? Yeah, I thought it was a great game. I thought mm. I thought we were always in control, and yeah. unfortunately, it was our best game uh, for the year um, mm. because it showed what we could actually do. And you know, I don't buy into the theory that Hawthorne, Hawthorne weren't trying because mm. um, you know, they had a lot on the line. As someone pointed out on Big Footy, they, they had second spot up for grabs. But we we just executed the perfect game plan. We controlled the ball when we needed to. Uh, we ran with speed when we had to. And, um, yeah, I was it was a really, really impressive game of football. And, yeah, I guess, and that's what makes our side so frustrating in the last two years because they can deliver performances like that and then they deliver uh, performances like they have against Carlton and Freeman. Yeah, look, absolutely, and I think that that sort of exhibits not just that we have a bit of unevenness in our performance as a team and as individuals, but probably just also in our structure as well, really. We've got pretty obvious points of strength and weakness, but eh, that's a problem for off-season. Let's talk about it later. Um, I think probably yeah. the most notable thing about this game was just how influential Paddy Ryder was. Um, he got 40 hit-outs versus Ben McAvoy's 22, but the most important thing was that there were a lot of really really beautiful touches from Paddy Ryder in that game uh, that were very influential, I thought, in the result. Um, goals, Chad Wingard kicked four because it was a big game. He's Chad Wingard. It's what he does. 
Uh, we had Monfries and Jay Schwartz kick three goals each, and for the Hawks, Gunston was their highest goal kicker with three goals himself. Um, Gunston's in again this week, and he's probably in a forward line, probably the main one we have to worry about, I would have thought. Uh, yeah. Notable about this game, um, Sam Gray and Robbie Gray both got 34 touches and both got Brownlow votes, <laughs> which was quite fun. <laughs> well, that ain't going to happen. Hashtag Gray Pride. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. Yes, no, it was an absolutely fantastic game to go to. Um, there's nothing... Look, honestly, if I'm going to pick a game to go to, uh, the opposition ground, there's no one it's better to beat than Hawthorne fans. Like, Collingwood fans is pretty good to beat, but Hawthorne fans is really good because Collingwood fans will give you a stick, but Hawthorne fans will just be quiet and they'll slink off like they ought to for being who they are. Um, it, it's... Yeah. Um... I find Hawthorne supporters are just such front runners. When they're behind, they're just really, really um, quiet and, and church micey. And and then um, when they hit the front, they're everywhere. And it's uh, I think yeah. that's what's fr- uh, frustrating. Whereas you know Collingwood supporters, at least they're they're there the whole time. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I guess. I don't know. It's just one of the annoying things of the wheeze and poos, I guess. That's just uh, how it goes. But, um, okay. Yeah. We have got one very good comment on the uh, Spreaker chat forum from Bourneport saying, Butcher played and we won. Coincidence? No. No, probably not. I don't know. I think it probably is. <laughs> well, is he playing this week? Is he playing tomorrow? No, he's not playing tomorrow. No, no. Well, then the, coinc- the coincidence won't help us then. No. What is uh, it? Why? What's What's with the love affair of John Butcher? Why Why are people so intensified with their desire, thinking that he makes a difference to our side? because uh, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. And yeah. he, he looks like... I mean, he's the sort of footballer that, like, you just like how he plays. <laughs> you know, like, he's entertaining. Even if he's shit, he's entertaining. There's a bunch of players like that, I think, True. in the league. But even when he's terrible, he's a, he's a good player and he's fun to watch. Because he's like Richo. I mean, he's a very terrible version of Richo. But Richo had those periods where he'd have games where just nothing was working and he'd, he'd take marks and he'd kick him out on the full three times and things like that. Like that kind of drama in a key forward, like that's really, in a lot of ways, the spirit of watching live football because you've got to get it to the big forwards and it's so important. They're your last line of attack. And then when they are erratic and prone to bouts of excellence and terrible form, um, it just makes it really exciting. So... I think that's, I think that's why I, just the excitement factor. I had a question sent to me privately on Facebook. Oh, okay. Um, wanting think uh, more of a suggestion, so, suggesting that we we should start doing a, a crow segment inside our poor fan radio show why? as well. Um, what are, what do the people think of that? Do they do they think that's actually a, a good idea? I, you just have to excuse me for a moment while I go and uh, vomit in my uh, dustpan. But yeah. I'll, I'll be back. Yeah, yeah. No, look, I, I do excuse you because, uh, look, I've got to say, I'm not. Why would you have a segment about the crows? Well, they're not that very interesting. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd be far more. If, if we were going to do something not strictly about Port Adelaide, I would far, rather do SNFL Club Watch and then just basically it's reading through financial reports and going, 
<laughs> you deserve everything. Oh. I'd rather I'd rather have a segment about our wettest farts moments or something like that. <laughs> Sorry, Woodsy, I couldn't help myself. Uh, or the best heckles you've heard at the football. That'd be a good one as well. Um, I don't know. We, we could do an umpiring segment. Oh. Yeah. Who's our, who's our, who's our favourite umpire and who performed most uh, admirably on the weekend? <laughs> hey, speaking of umpires, what was your yes. take uh, of the umpire being interviewed during the week um, suggesting that they're going to be looking really, really harshly at... Um, Port Adelaide and their tactics which they employ against Richmond? Um, I think that's inappropriate um, for multiple reasons. First of all, it's a mid-season change to their interpretations. Um, and the second one is they're not saying we're concerned about, I don't know, the example from the past might be something like tunnelling where a guy gets you know, potentially mm. hurt under the mark. It's just like, oh, no, we were going to look at that club. Well, look at the practice, not the club. That's really what they should be doing. So it's bad for two reasons, I think. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree. So, I mean, if mm. you can't go out and specifically target an umpire with criticism, um, but you could, an umpire department can come out and specifically say they're going to target some players or, or a footy club, that's, um, yeah, I agree. That just, um, mm. it just doesn't, uh, yeah, gel to me. No. Uh, it, it sounds almost like bullying and it's almost... To the point where what the coaches have to go to those players now and and tell them they have to change their their game plan and um, yeah it's it's really really weird. Yeah, look, I don't know that I'd go as far as saying it was bullying because um, corporations aren't people, um, but I would say that it is probably a pretty bad uh, way to run a league. And if anything, it's not Psycholog- so much a question. Psychological not... bullying. Yeah, but uh, anyway, um... uh, manipulation. <laughs> Psychological manipulation. Yeah, but if there's a criticism for it, it really should be the AFL for not having proper controls on their umpiring department, um, if anything. But then again, they lost their umpiring director early in the season, so who knows what the reason, what's going on there right now. Um, yeah, who knows. Look, we'll move on to the game, I think. Um, it's not sure. really a lot of, It's kind of interesting in that we've gone in with no change and Hawthorne have only made one change, and it's a really obvious one, which is bringing Sir Orioli back in. As you said, the top of the ladder, uh, we had a really great stat on the Port Adelaide... There was a really great stat on the Port Adelaide website uh, that was put up, I think, earlier today, talking about how Port Adelaide is the best team in the league against Hawthorne in terms of scoring points from stoppages, uh, which is a really good midfieldy sort of stat. But... I kind of feel like this is the strongest. In some ways, it's possibly one of the stronger Hawthorne sides that we've faced for a while. And I know that sounds stupid given that Roughhead's not playing. But it looks pretty even. And unless Dixon comes out and has like a five-goal game or something, I think they've got a really good evenness across the ground to actually worry us a bit this time. Um yeah. So, I'm... what about Cyril Rioli coming in? Do you are you worried by the big Cyril coming or the little Cyril coming in? Uh, look, I'm. Uh, I've got to say, Cyril does worry me a little bit. Um, yeah, uh, I'll just double check something. But yeah, Cyril does worry me a little bit in that he's a good player. He's a really good player. And who would you play on him, Rick? You know? Yes, that's a very good question. Darcy Byrne Jones. Ooh. Do we go? Do we go with a bit of toughness Ooh. and get Darcy? Darcy oh. to really attack. 
Oh, I hope so. I'm not so. giving Porsche a foot massage, all right? I swear. <laughs> oh, okay. So, and I'm not in bed tonight either. Do you okay. like? Do you like that matchup? I oh, look. I love that matchup mostly because we have seen in the past that Cyril can you can get under his skin if you're really accountable and you're really annoying. And I think we've seen little hints that DBJ can be absolutely both of those. Yeah. So, uh, and he's yeah. got a bit of speed about him. I don't know if he's as fast as um, Cyril, but I mean, no. it'd be, there's not many, there's not many players, but I like his aggression, and I, I think he's probably the the halfback flanker in our defence. That's probably the best matchup as far as I can see, especially with Impey. Um, I guess no, I don't like Impey playing on Cyril. I think Cyril will take tear Impey apart. Is that your blow up? Is that your blow up mattress deflating? What? Huh? You'll, hear, you'll have to, you'll have to hear it in the outtake. There was like this slow hiss in the background. Oh, this little sort of noise. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Look, I think Impy, he's still a little bit up and down, so he might be good enough. But yeah, I don't know. Um, Mac has said Impy for Popolo, which I think is probably a better matchup. I, I reckon. I reckon if we're doing the selection board, I reckon we're definitely putting uh, Darcy Byrne Jones on uh, Cyril Rioli. I think that's just. Too intriguing a contest not to try, and he'll learn a lot from doing it and get a lot of confidence from doing it too. So uh, I'd like that one. Yeah. Um, next question, Rux. Uh, it's basically Cheglar versus Trengove. Um, are we really worried about Cheglar at all? Because I mean, I I like it. I think yeah. I think that's a great matchup for us. Yeah, I think so. Um, so we're, we're gonna win. We're gonna effectively, you know, we won't win hit outs, but we might win. Win the rock clearances. Um, midfield. Did you, did you hear the show on? Um, sorry, did you hear the show on Monday night? No, I have to say I haven't listened to it yet. I will be listening to it. Okay. Mm. Oh, I was yeah. just going to ask you because what your what your take on on Jackson going forward? Um, I mean, I I haven't spoken to Jacko about this you know off radio or anything, so it's not any inside information or, or untoward talking. But I I actually thought um, going by his uh, tone that. Um, Jackson was really starting to get a, a hungry appetite for playing in the ruck contest. And uh, he's almost like Neo in the Matrix. He's starting to believe um, in that position. And I think that's really exciting. And I'm expecting a big influence from Jackson against uh, the Hawthorne Rucks this week because, look, they're serviceable, but they're no Todd Goldstein, any, uh, any stretch of the imagination. No. And look, I mean, I think we might be one factor which... I don't know. I kind of now I'm putting a couple of things together in my head. Um, after the game, Chad Corns pretty much went straight up to Jackson Trengove. You could see it on the TV, and I kind of wonder because we know that Chad Corns was right at the head of the throw a key position player in ruck or uh, uh, in the midfield thing. I'm just wondering whether Chad Corns is being a big influence on how well Jackson Trengove is performing in that role. Um, I think there's probably a lot of that might be a bit of that in there. What do you think? Well, it could be. I know he uh, highlighted Aaron Greaves on uh, Monday night, but okay. I, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure Chad would be, uh, from a physicality perspective, would be really raving uh, uh, Jackson up. You, we knew what um, uh, Chad was like as a player, and he didn't mind that sort of uh, that sort of niggle. But uh, yeah, I. And again, it's not about winning the hitouts. I think with Jackson, I, I just think it's. Yeah, stating the obvious, it's the contested possession and his around-the-ground play, which I think he can really maximise against the, the Hawthorne uh, Ruckman. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what's now, your take? Do you, 
Do you sorry? Do you really do you like Jackson in the ruck going forward? Have you been impressed with what he's been doing? Oh, look, I've been impressed with what he's been doing, but do I think it's the best strategy for Port Adelaide long term? No, I don't. Um, but I do no, like it, what he's been doing, even, and, I, and I like that he's added it to his bow. Absolutely, as a pinch hitter. Absolutely, as a pinch hitter. That's exactly what I mean. So, you know, if we're talking yeah. about setting up for next year, oh, don't worry, Jackson's our ruck. No, no, absolutely not. But the fact that he spent a season doing this means that going forward, like he becomes a valuable tool in our toolkit in terms of making the matchups work for us. Uh, kind of like it used yep. to happen, like happened with Brendan Laid when he had to play forward for most of a season and then suddenly he was a ruckman that could play pretty well forward. Um, you need, I, I think it can be useful when you get these sort of injuries and you're forced to improvise because it does make your, player, but your, your players more diverse and it gives you more strategic op- or tactical options on the field. So I'm a bit of a fan of that. Um, cool. moving, on to the, moving on to the midfield matchups. Um, obviously, Hawthorne midfield, we already discussed a little bit. Um, but for me, look, there's one player that always sticks out like a sore thumb in that Hawthorne side, and that's Billy Hartung, uh, or Hartung, however you want to say it. And he's not a good player, and he's in the side. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I kind of feel like there's, as much as I'm saying, oh, that Hawthorne side is pretty balanced, part of it is that I've got, I think they've got a few players that, you know, they're newer players in the side, but I don't think they're all that good. Do you think there might be yeah, some guess... ability to exploit that secondary midfield? But I guess that's where the Hawthorne machine is rolling on, isn't it? They just do it right. They they play those younger kids and are develop, developing them and getting the games in, and they're still winning games. Yeah. Um, they get the senior they get the senior players in the right positions at the right time to influence the game when they need to, and and the young players come in and then influence them um, uh, as well. So I mean, that's where the Hawthorne system has been fantastic. So. Um, yeah, hopefully. I mean, but that's where I thought our our strength was this season was in our midfield depth, and but our midfield's been pretty poor too. Yeah, look, that's true. Um, yeah, but I guess that you know, considering that we again going resting on our laurels and saying in the past we have had a pretty good clearance rate in the midfield against Hawthorne compared to other sides. Um, yeah, maybe that does mean that we might have a little bit more of a shot. Um, with the maybe having that be an area of weakness potentially. Um, moving on to the forward well, line. Yeah, I've got a, oh yeah, sorry. I've got a key. I've got a key to. I've got a key to winning with oh, the midfields. Okay. Are we doing? Are we doing a key to winning or well, should we I just bring do, that up but now? Yeah, just go for it now. Why not? Go for it now. Well, I think if we're going to win, we need Wingard, Broadbent, and Hamish Hartler to have midfield influence in the game um, for us to win. Yeah. Well, someone has to. I look. I'm not. I don't think this comes back to, I suppose, one of the criticisms of Hartlett that I think a few people have. In that, I don't think we can ever afford to be in a position where we have to have Hartlett play well to win, because we can't rely on it. Um, so you could be right, but I hope not. I hope we can win anyway. Mm. Well, was that controversial? Was that controversial? <laughs> So, in other words, you're saying you don't you don't want to rely on Hamish Hartlett. Well, no, I don't want to rely on Hamish Hartlett, and I kind of think like if he does look, if he's a key, if if Hamish Hartlett is a key to our game, then we don't have a very sure shot of winning. I guess that's what I'm saying. Are you happy to rely on um, Matthew Broadbent? He's consistent in how he plays, mostly. <laughs> you don't sound convincing there. Well. 
yeah, look, you're not picking out the players that I go, oh, yes, that's the players. So uh, you've got your players, i got mine. <laughs> uh, that's why I'm asking you the tough, challenging questions. I'd actually like to hear what the people on Spreaker are, are actually thinking too, if, they're, uh, if they yeah. can post up. Who, who are our second stringers that we need to uh, stand up to, uh, to influence the, the game to win? So anyway, I, I, I distracted you from going, segueing off into the forwards. Yeah, now the forwards, the Hawthorne forwards, there's probably really two that we have to worry about, apart from Cyril, and that's Bruce and Gunston, which when you say them like that, I was thinking about it, they actually sound like, you know, like a middle-aged British comedy duo that you see on ABC TV occasionally, Bruce and Gunston. Or um, a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe a pack of cigarettes, that would work. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think either are the best players, but they do the basic things really, really well. Um, they're both pretty solid marks. They're both really pretty reliable kicks, and I guess history says that they're the players we generally tend to struggle with. Um, I would hope that we've got the matchups for them. Um, I don't know. Uh, I guess if they're the main scorers for the Hawks, we might still win, but uh, there's certainly two players that I would imagine would be right at the top of our list of people to work out how to stop. And I kind so of who hope- did- who does um, young Logan Austin play against? Well, I think he probably gets Gunston. Yeah? Yeah. Not, not Tom, Tom Cleary? Um, I'm probably not as much in the Tom Cleary camp as a lot of people are. I'm not saying he's not good, but if I'm if I'm choosing right now between putting uh, Logan Austin on someone and putting Tom Cleary on someone, then unless it's a very... Um, uh, erratic forward, I would probably prefer Austin, and particularly in the oh. case, in particular in the case of Gunston, who I've just kind of said is vanilla, but in a good way, a vanilla forward. Like I think he knows how to play against that type of player. Um, yeah. I just see. I think um, Tom Clory needs to work on his one-on-one skills. I mean, that's always yeah. been my question mark on him, and and okay. I guess Rewalt and Rewalt highlighted that again um, last week. Yeah. Um, is his one on is his one on one skills and yeah he got exposed there so is Gun is so is Gunston the right matchup for him probably not on that on that basis but I mean how are you going to learn you're only going to learn by playing aren't you yeah true true that's very true um, all right and just moving across to the defence quickly um, again obviously there's no Jared Roughhead who is usually a very good player um, you'd really think that this is a week where Charlie Dixon should be able to expose the defence he's playing against if we deliver well and create space for him. Do you think that's likely to happen? I missed that question. What was that? Sorry. Uh, I said, do you think this will be one of the weeks where Charlie Dixon might actually be able to get on the board because the direct matchup for him is not necessarily all that great? Yeah, I don't know, to be honest. Okay. I, um, yeah. I mean, how many how many bags of four or fives he kicked for us so far? One. Yeah, um, a couple. I don't think I don't think he's going to get a bag coming up against a great zoning defence in Hawthorne, especially. If, and I, this is where I think we need to be pretty clever with our our structural play. Um, obviously, Hawthorne aren't stupid stupidly coached, so they're going to they're going to zone off. And um, yeah, I really think we need to. Uh, yeah, drop our eyes and try and hit some lead-out targets um, away from Charlie. I think that would be another key to winning myself. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, look, we've got a couple of good comments on the forum here. Um, oh, sorry, the Spreaker chat forum. Uh, Matt Lanes reckons Austin to Gunston, Clurie to Sicily, which is probably a reasonable matchup. Um, 
Craig, oh sorry, uh, Matt Lane saying continue our current plan of kicking to the forward fifty. Gibson will end the match with twelve to fifteen marks, which I do agree with. Um, <laughs> that's that's he's the sort of he's the sort of player in their side that you really, if you could, you'd like to play a, a defensive forward on. Um, maybe that might be yeah. something we do with Jared Impey, perhaps. Uh, yeah. Oh sorry, Aaron, Aaron Young. Aaron yeah, Young, mate, maybe. Aaron Young. There we go. Why not Aaron Young? Yeah. He'll do it. Um, we've got a really good question here from Bourneport again. Who comes out for Butch? <laughs> <laughs> Me. I won't go to the game. <laughs> he ain't ready. Nah. He, uh, well... he, he needs to bag <laughs> a few more goals of 10 in the SA NFL and then he's ready. Oh, okay. Look and I the... love the Butch. Okay. Um, <laughs> you disagree? I think the Butch... We're at round, what, 16 now? He's had his You're a Butch shot. lover, aren't you? I was for about yeah. the first three years. You, you, still, you still want him playing. I can, I can hear it in your voice. You secretly are yearning really for the don't. Butch to come, to come in and play. I really don't. I'm very happy that we've got Charlie Dixon. I'm extremely excited about Charlie Dixon in the side. And if Jay Shorts can get back to some kind of form that is close to what he's had in the past, then that's obviously our best lineup. Obviously. There's no My call is dispute that. that Butch will play in the first week of September this year for the Poor Power. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you like that one? Um, I think it's probably gets thrown onto the burning trash pile of Rick's ridiculous predictions, but yeah, sure. <laughs> hey, all of my predictions are pretty bloody close. They get, they get pretty close. <laughs> hey, I was doing, as a random thought, I went to the uh, fixture list today and I thought, well, what sort of chance do we have? And, uh, and then I was thinking quite unexpectedly, looking at North Melbourne's draw, if they keep choking, if they lose to West Coast this week and we happen to manage to beat them next week, it's game on, especially if we win this week. And North Melbourne, could, from being top of the ladder, could be in jeopardy of actually dropping out of the finals. Yeah. I don't think it's likely. Um, no? They've got a tough run. Yeah, they've got a tough run, but, you know, we're not part of it. Come on. <laughs> hope, Porsche. Hope. I will hope. I will hope. But... This week's going to turn it around. Yeah, anyway, I'm absolutely. derailing you again. So yeah, you are. Going. You're terrible, Rick. Um, I, I, I even went with only a three-page rundown this week. <laughs> uh, now, the next have question. Made, have we made page two? Yeah, we're in the middle of page two. Um, okay. Should we be concerned about Alistair Clarkson? And I think history says no. We'll just move along from that one. Uh, I'm not, does... Well, I'm not actually going to ask him for a selfie this week. That's how concerned I am about Alistair. Okay, good. Um, does either side have the psychological advantage? Uh, in theory, we could because we beat them the last time we played them and it was in Melbourne. We're now playing at Adelaide Oval. We've got that, again, that, that ridiculous stat, which is probably going to get in the players' heads. Uh, but Hawthorne are top of the ladder, so I think they probably, I guess Hawthorne probably win. Uh, and there's an extra little factor here, which is that um, where last week we were the team that had a bye and then our opponent had a six-day break. It's the other way around this week. Uh, Hawthorne have had a nice, relaxing bit of time off and we've got a six-day break ourselves. So, um, yeah, I don't know why the AFL schedule like this, but, hey, they love it. They love these terrible 
terrible scheduling decisions. But they um, do, don't they? Do you think? Um, do you think that Chad's going to be stalking Luke Hodge around a point post this game? Uh, no. God, I hope not. What a waste. Yeah. Yeah. No. Look, I believe in proxy justice in football. Um, it might not be Chad Wingo that does, but you know, Darcy Burn Jones might keep an eye on him. But I tell you. <laughs> After that incident, how revved up was Chad performance-wise? It was like poking oh, yeah. the bear. I mean, mm. uh, and I mean, it's still talked about by a lot of our fans now. Um, it would almost be really, really intriguing to start Chad this week against Luke Hodge, like legitimately, um, not maliciously, um, because I reckon putting Chad on Luke will really ignite the fire in Chad at the beginning of the game, I would imagine. Look, I don't think you need to ignite Chad's fire when he's playing against a good team. Um, I don't think that's necessary. Um, just as far as that moment, I would describe that as a Rod Tidwell moment for people that remember Jerry Maguire. Um, just basically one of those moments where you go, oh, I could have lost everything. <laughs> and, yeah, that's uh, yeah, no, a reminder about it. I think Corey McKernan had one of those moments famously when he uh, came back from his knee injury. He hit his knee and it didn't hurt so much, so then he just went full pelt. Um <laughs> Which, you know, it's one of those weird little psychological things that happen sometimes, but I don't think you can count on exploiting it every time you play. Um, all right, look, we'll move along to the Fringe Force 5, which will probably be a really quick one, unfortunately, because this is a player that is very much on the outs for uh, Port Adelaide. And uh, I'll just remind you quickly, uh, Rick, that we did make a bet late last year where I would get a box of tea if Sam Cahoon played less than 50 AFL games in his career. And right now it's looking like he's not going to play a single game since that bet, unfortunately. Um, Sam Cahoon, pick three in the 2013 preseason draft. What are you talking about? He's 21, 179 centimetres, same age as Need Wines, DBJ, Carl Amon, Jarman Impey, uh, and he's not getting games. What's happening, Rick? Unless you've got that proof. It was on a podcast. Well, what are you talking about? I don't remember anything. Uh, You're you're making this sort of stuff up. What an an outrageous comment. Who would... Who would actually say something like that? <laughs> and no, I'm not downloading Sammy Cahoon videos either. All right. Anyway, so Sammy Cahoon, I don't know what's going on there. I, I guess you got to remember yeah. he, he's coming off a knee injury uh, yeah, from a true. while ago. and um, 2014, though. 2014, but that obviously impacted 2015. And uh, But I guess he hasn't had that ball-accumulating style, which he had... Um, before he did his knee, and he was he was in favour with Ken before that. You know, Ken played him in quite a few games, mm. and he was he was reasonably infima- um, influential. He was he sort of like was what Carl Amon is now, oh, but no. With, no. with more di- with more disposal. So, it's um, no. no, he didn't. No, well, he probably got more disposals, but there's no comparison between what he's doing and what Carl Amon's doing because Carl Amon is uh, has pace. That's the, I, that's the big I thought you were a Carl Amon hater. No, I'm the opposite. Are you a sympathiser? I'm a Carl Amon sympathiser because I read, like even this week, uh, drop Carl Amon, bring in John Butcher. Like, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to strap on the boots and have a game too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, could, I could run under the ball and, and go for a mark one-handed also. Yeah. Look, I kind of feel that um, the thing that really makes Sam Cahoon's future with Port Adelaide tenuous is that I think that role that you're describing that he was playing (coughs) is pretty similar to the role that Jimmy Tumpus was playing in their senior side before he got dropped. 
Yep. Uh, and, you know, Jimmy Tompas got 40 touches last week and he didn't get a, a, a run this week. Um, he'd have to say he's very comfortably behind Jimmy Tompas. And Jimmy Tompas isn't playing AFL right now. So, really, when you're looking through the pecking order, like he's right at the bottom right now. Um, it's a bit tough, but there you go, I guess. Yeah, but you never know. I mean, so do you think he's on the chopping block at the end of the season? He's going to go? Oh, look, I think he probably will. Uh, and in particular, because uh, uh, I don't know if you heard the one we would Macron and myself were discussing the SA Under-18 Championships, but there's a whole bunch of pretty good-looking uh, short guys in that one that uh, could come in and really have about the same shot or better, more likely a better shot than Sam Cahoon does of um, being able to become an AFL standard player. Um, with the physical traits they've got, so yeah, I think that's I think that's a bit of a, might be a bit of a, a rough call, but I think that's probably accurate that he'll be he'll be out. Um, well, I'll be hoping that we recruit some tall guys instead of some more short guys. Um, I think we may do a little of that, but we'll be recruiting small guys too. There's no doubt. I think we're still a bit early to start striking names through players. From the list, I mean, I, I agree he's he's probably uh, a, concern, a concern, uh at this point mm. in time. But um, yeah, you'd, you'd think that you know Arch will be in in the gun potentially as well. Sam Gray might be in the gun. Um, so I reckon we just need to a uh, uh, Butch probably is in the gun as well. So it's just a matter of how many uh, picks they want to go to the uh, draft table with. I would imagine. Yeah, and again, a lot of that is sometimes dictated by what sort of players are available as well. Yeah. Um, and if it's a good year for smalls, which apparently it is a pretty good year for smalls, um, there's not a lot of hype around the tools at the tournament, at the championship, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe. Maybe this is... You're, more, you're always more at risk of being a, a small that's been on the list for a while than I think that you are at being a tall if you're both working hard. Wheeze and poos. Yeah, that's the third time you said it, by the way, Rick. Um, we'll quickly talk about the Magpies game, which is going to be quick because I don't have anything to say, and I, I doubt you have much to say either. We're the, um, we're the worst two to actually <laughs> preview a Magpies essay to Bill this is what This is where Macca's passion comes into his own. It's true. It's oh, true. Look, I'm really excited to talk about um, John Butcher and what he can do, and I'm hoping that he kicks uh, 10 goals this weekend because then... The, the forum-pumping urge for Butch to come into the side is just going to be irresistible. Yeah. Uh, look, um, just because I suppose it's the most useful thing we can do, um, although it is an away game, uh, we'll be playing against West Adelaide at Richmond Oval on Saturday at 2.10pm. Um, Port are 7th on the ladder, and Westies are stone motherless last with only two wins out of 12 for the year. Um, we really should smash them. So if you like seeing West Adelaide beaten at their home ground, it's probably a good week to go to the footy. Absolutely. And, I mean, we've got a reasonably strong midfield if they're performing, you know, with Tumpus and, mm. and the rest of the crew and Poli. That's probably the most, pardon me, interesting one for me, seeing how um, Jared performs, if he can back up last week's performance and uh, rack up some more disposals because... Um, we do miss a very influential Jared Pollock, and I don't know what's going on there, outside of confidence in his foot after the injury. I think it's just um, the work rate, and I don't mean that he's not covering ground, but I don't think he's covering it in the right ways when he's playing at AFL level. Um, I, think, I think he's maybe. Covering... Do you think he likes Michael Voss? I don't care. <laughs> I, 
don't care if he likes Michael Voss. Michael Voss is there, so I don't even want to entertain the idea that it's Michael Voss's fault. Personally. So, in other words, Michael Voss is your boss, so you just got to get on with it and do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I can yeah. understand. Like, if if Pollock was recruited on the understanding that he hated Michael Voss, yeah, there might be a case. But I'm not aware that he was. I don't think anyone heard that. He just yeah. wasn't doing the work that he needed to do. And if that follows him in the form of Michael Voss to his second club, well, if he's still not doing the work he needs to do, because let's face it, it's not Michael Voss that's dropping him, um, then it might actually be a problem he needs to address rather than a personality conflict. Yes. Mm. Fair call. Tough tough call, but I, I think it's probably fair. Yes. All right. Well, look, we'll move on to the questions, comments from the forum. We've had a, a few. Some of them are good. Some of them are a bit rubbish. Um, <laughs> any, any derogatory? Um, no. Awesome. No, no. no uh, not the ones I took a note of anyway. Um, ah. The first one will start with a really important one. Um, Macca asked, should lasagna be made with 100% beef mints or 50-50 beef and pork mints? Right. Um, I'm a bit of a uh, lasagna master and... I don't think there's actually any difference mm. um, between using the the beef or a mixture um, because obviously the sauce overpowers the flavour anyway. So whether you use beef or pork doesn't matter. But now what about vegetarian? Well, I mean, you don't use beef or pork in vegetarian. That's why it's vegetarian. That's exactly right. So what do you use? I'm a big eggplant <laughs> guy and zucchini. Awesome. With thinly sliced pumpkins. Fair enough. Well, look, when I go vegetarian, which is very rarely, I just keep it very simple and um, super chop down some carrots and then just use tomato um, sauce effectively. Not 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 ketchup, but, you know, yeah, yeah. pasta stuff. Um, personally, I think with lasagna, it doesn't matter if it's beef or beef and pork, but I personally find, like, if I'm actually having, like, a spaghetti bolognese or something where the sauce is more uh, the integral part of it, I do actually prefer beef and pork, personally. Sure. Mm. I do love an amatricana though. Olives in a spaghetti sauce and a bit of chili and anchovies. Ooh, chili. Be... Have... Yeah, I'm a chili fan. Oh, oh yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, next question is from Johns. Uh, is this week our best chance at a fifty thousand plus crowd this year outside of showdowns? No. You don't think so? No. Why? Thursday night, middle of winter. It is school holidays. Um, yeah, no, I don't think so. I think it should be because we're up against a prestige side yeah. at the top of the ladder and they're a team that we usually do pretty well against and it's a night game and it's a Thursday night, so what else are you going to do? I think I, it should be. If, if I, it's not raining, it should be a really high crowd. I agree it should be, but it won't be. No, I think you're probably right. Um, yeah. I think we're kind of... Saturday night, I reckon we could have been pushing it. Yeah. I think that in the next couple of years we're going to get the realistic figures for crowds for Port Adelaide games, Adelaide Oval, um, because I think winter is going to become increasingly, like, oh, I can't be bothered going there in winter and walking through the rain from the train station and crap like that. We'll see yeah. how it goes. Um, next question from Raman. Where do you stand on free will versus determinism? Jeez. Um, I'm assuming, I haven't heard of the term in that concept before determinism. Yeah. But my weirdo theory is the evolution of mankind. 
Mm. We can't evolve into an all-natural species under free will. I think there there will be there will have to be an element of control um, and a bit of cloneness, and it could end up being through DNA manipulation in our genes. So, in other words, stuff like greed will be eliminated um, and those sort of things. Um, because, yeah, I mean, free will for all its greatness is also one of our weaknesses as a human species. Um, I, I'll just on the, the, the topic you've raised, we talk about things like gene manipulation being unnatural, but to asexual things like amoebas, the idea of having two sexes is unnatural and weirdly technological because you mess with each other's genes and make a new one. You know, that's, that's, that would be pretty weird to an amoeba. That's pretty bizarre. That's pretty sci-fi stuff to them. So uh, there you go. Interesting. Mm. It I, is. I, I, could, I could talk about this one for a long time. Well, let's not. Let's move on to an actual football question if we can. <laughs> um, another one from Macca. I think this is quite a fun one um, because you have to think about it in the context of who we are right now. Yes. Um, if you could bring back one player from our AFL past in their prime to play for us the rest of the season, who would it be? I was sucked in in the first instance and I was going to tie Matthew Primus because of our mm. ruck stoppage, uh, ruck issue. But I think we can tie the rest of the season over with Jackson. Um, okay. But our midfield influence is diminished at this point in time. So I went with Roger James. I understand what you're saying. And I see Matt Lane on the Spreaker Chat Forum has agreed with you, as has Jimmy Beercan, which is one of those weird names. Well, they're very, very smart people. I don't agree. Um, not, not, not that there's anything wrong with Roger James, but I think that with the side that we have right now, we would get more value from Brendan Lade. Like right now, we'd get more value from Brendan Lade because number one, he's an excellent ruckman. Number two, if Jay Schultz is a bit dodgy, Lady can play forward. How, um, how, how disrespectful are we to Warren Treadrow? Oh, we're not because... We're, we're still crying not, out for an influential forward. I would, love, I would love to have Warren Treadrow in this side. But Warren Treadray that can't get good midfield supply, we've seen that a bunch of times, and it's really tough for him to have an impact. So yeah, but he just go to centre-half back, swing back. God, if you're going to get a centre-half back, get a centre-half back. <laughs> Free and Chad Treaders. Collins or someone. Treaders. You know? yeah. He would uh, take, Warren Treadray would take double the marks what Dixon would. Ben Jennings is screaming Lockwood, 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 also <laughs> Lockwood. Yeah, nah. <laughs> uh, Ryan Pillar said, "Give me Sean Burgoyne," and I, look, I, I did think that was my first thought because then we'd have him and Hawthorne wouldn't. Um, yeah. Hey, what's with the crap rumor that Luke Hodge is going to resign? Uh, resign, so we they might lose uh, Sean Burgoyne next year. What? That was the uh, that was the rumor floating around on social media um, late last week that Luke Luke Hodge is going to resign for another two years which could mean that Sean Burgoyne won't be at Hawthorne um, because then Port supporters were saying, would you take Sean Burgoyne back? So I don't know if it was just a, a topic created um, <sighs> just for discussion or if it was actually something factual like Hawthorne are trying to weed out their over 30 players one by one. So it's either Hodge or Burgoyne. But it was an interesting question. Would you take Sean Burgoyne back for one season? Nah, and I'll tell you why. Um, yeah. Both of those players... Would I would imagine they've both had long careers, they've both had a pretty good wage, and uh, I think they would both rather play in a side that had the other one of them in it. 
than one of them playing and another one not. Like, what's the point of Luke Hodge hanging around another couple of years if they lose Sean Burgoyne, you know? Yeah. That's a pretty big loss for their side, and the vice versa would be true too. Um, so I, I don't believe it. I think they would compromise and say, all right, look, we'll split it or some shit like that. Who knows? Or they work something out, some dodgy thing, uh, whatever. But yeah, I mean, you, you, I guess you'd take him, but I wouldn't say it was a priority for us too, and I wouldn't want to trade a single thing to get him. It'd be a... Uh, um, uh, UFA thing so yeah alright uh, and the last one how many times did Rick say wheeze and poos now I counted three I'm pretty sure we stuck it at three I th- don't think you said it again any more than that um, do you want to get it out of your system and say it a couple more times wheeze and poos suck okay wheeze and poos five any it's more like bo- it's like boats and hose isn't it boats and hose <laughs> boats and hose alright what a classic movie you can't, you can't count it until the end of the show, wheeze and poos. <laughs> okay. Look, we'll move on to the wrap-up because it is that time we are kind of meandering. Although, hey, we've been meandering for a little while now. Um, the <laughs> final wrap-up, who's your winning side, what's the margin, and who is your highest goal kicker for Port Adelaide? What's your, uh, what's your tip? Well, I'm going to tip Hawthorne um, because I'm feeling pessimistic about it. This is one of those weeks, and I don't listen to this instinct normally, but this is one of those weeks where I look at it on paper and I think, yeah, well, I mean, why wouldn't we win? Why wouldn't we win? Those are almost always the games we lose. Um, so I'm going to go Hawthorne this time, and hopefully I'm wrong. And I'm going to say a margin of about 20 points, and I'm going to say the highest goal kicker for Port Adelaide will be Justin Westhoff. Three goals. Ah. I'm going to say wheez and poos okay. by four points going to be another killer we're going to lose another close one which is going to put the heat on ken because he likes winning apparently and the highest goal kicker will be aaron young with three goals okay yeah we're both pretty negative about this game after talking port up this whole time (laughs) (laughs) oh look i just think hawthorne's too good what a Uh, sham we are (laughs) yeah i just thought i think they're too good uh they're well drilled Uh, oh my god we're we're not we're not showing enough consistency in our game plan to beat them, but I'll be overjoyed if it does happen. Look, I just have to make an announcement. The world has turned upside down because both myself and Rick have tipped Hawthorne and Macca has tipped Port by thirty six points. <laughs> That's actually quite what? funny. Yeah, what right? is what is going this is Bizarro Land. <laughs> Are we, have we gone into uh, Seinfeld or something and we're seeing don't know. We're seeing the opposite of what normally happens. The opposite of us. Yeah. Look, we've got a couple other tips here. Um, Jimmy Vickans has come up with Hawthorne by 37. Ryan Pillar says Port by 17. Charlie Dixon with five, which I hope you're right. Uh, Matt Lane, Hawthorne by 27. Dixon with three for Port and Gunston with four for the Cooks, which, again, I'd be pretty stoked with that. Um, And James Leach, I just want a good punch-up, which I agree. That would be kind of entertaining. So let's hope there's a bit of that at least. I reckon there will be a bit of We've it been quite feisty be. this year. Look, we will. That's one of the things that uh, that was. I guess that was one of the most depressing things about you know that Primus period when no one stuck up for each other at all. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, I think we we are usually better when we are having our players be willing to get into a bit of biff. But anyway, uh, moving on. Spuds renamed, which is the immediate. Who's your immediate for Port Adelaide this week? Who's our spud? Who, or who is our immediate, our player that has been a bit of, maybe a bit quiet, but they're going to come up and they're just going to surprise everyone this week? Carl Amon. 
Okay. And in what form will he be doing that? Will it be massive disposals? Will it be laying heaps of tackles? He's going, to put his, he's going to put his body on the line and get three big hits. Oh, that'd be fun. I like that idea. Yeah. Mm. I'm going to say... Uh, I don't know. This is a really tough one. Maybe Nathan Cracker. Nathan Cracker. Um, because I don't think... I think Nathan Cracker could get, say, 20-odd positions and hopefully a bunch of one-percenters. We'll see. But I'll go with Nathan Cracker this week. Not that he's been playing terribly, but I think he could have a, a good, very good week this week. Um, how about Hawthorne? Who's your Hawthorne immediate? I can't really nominate one because I don't know any. Can I say okay. uh, Can I say Paul Puopolo? Yeah, I'll let you go for it. Yeah, I'm going to go Puopolo. He usually is pretty good against us, but you can go, you can go Puopolo. Yeah, um, I'm going to go Puopolo. If I, if I was doing similar, I'd say Liam Shields because he's a player I really rate. But if I'm trying to be more in the spirit of it, I'm probably going to say someone like... Uh, well, com- contradict yourself and say Segler. Nah, nah. Even, <laughs> even mockingly, I don't think Segler's going to do good. <laughs> Well, let's be pessimistic and say Billy Hartung, because then it definitely won't happen. Fair call. You did call him a spud earlier in the show. So, I did. Uh, I did. Yeah. I qualifies. Uh, and lastly, you bet the house. What's your what's your thing you think is going to happen in the context of the game? Uh, that will be something that might be a little bit of a risk, but you're pretty confident of. Um, all right. We won't string more than two consecutive goals together in the game and that Luke Hodge will try to snipe Chad Wingard again. Okay. And the crowd will go into meltdown. Okay. I reckon Cyril Rioli will get annoyed and he will try to lay a dodgy hip and shoulder on someone. Like a really (laughs) dodgy one. You know, yeah. I reckon it'll be one of those. I reckon it'll be one of those sorts of games where you'll be annoyed all game long, and then he'll just have a brain fade, and he'll do something dodgy as hell. Dodgy, um, dodgy little bugger. Super dodgy. We've got a super couple of. Dodgy. We've got a couple of ones here. James Leach reckons more than four players will be reported, which I think that's probably a bit high, but we could see one or two. Um, Ryan Peeler reckons bet your house on Charlie running through a hawk, which, well, yeah, that's. That's, that's probably a bit of an easy one because I think he does that without even trying. Um, it's like Godzilla knocking over buildings. You don't say, oh, he'll knock over that building. It's like, he's Godzilla. Of course he's going to knock over that building. Um, Mac reckons Hartung to kick four as well, so that's good. Ah. Mm. All right, well, look, um, we've reached the end of our show. We're only a little bit over time this week because we put a, bit, a little bit less detail in and managed <laughs> to control the blathering a little bit, a little bit. Hey, so, what do you mean control the blather- blathering? Is that is that a stone... Um, Throwing at me there. Well, I mean, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried to behave myself tonight. I really like the philosophical question. That was reckon, pretty fun. I reckon we should have a few more of those thrown at us during the uh, during the shows. Okay. Look, um, I guess it's time to wrap up. So thanks, everyone, for the, tuned in live for the Spreaker chat. Um, it is nice when there's more people in there because it makes the whole thing feel a bit more live, I guess. Uh, and for anyone that's listening on delay through iTunes or speak your chat again, um, thank you for listening in. And I hope that we have a very good weekend and that both Rick and myself are wrong and that Macca is right. Yes. Can't believe that. Hopefully uh, so, I'm wrong. Uh, absolutely. So, anything left to say is go Port Adelaide. Weezer Pose, bolts and holes.
Butcha. Are you cheering for Hawthorne or what's happening? Butcha. Yeah, go watch. Whatever happens. Go watch. Fine. Bolts and holes. Boys, though, both threatening every passing minute. Back to full forward. Off hands. Brown needed to trap it. Couldn't quite. Hassled out of it. Port Adelaide getting numbers. Wingard. No 